Jeffrey Lickman for Beyond the Legal Limit. It's May 15th. It's a new episode. And I don't really have all that much new ground to cover on this podcast. And I actually questioned whether I was even going to do one. But then I decided I had some thoughts on some of the stories we discussed last week. The stories uh, have evolved somewhat. So I figured, you know, I probably should get them down in a podcast and, and offer them up to you. If you don't want to hear them or if you find that it's repetitive, you should turn off uh, your phone, your computer, whatever, and just run very far away, very fast. The, the Daniel Penny subway case obviously is new now. We now have learned a week later that, in fact, he's been arrested. He's been charged with second-degree manslaughter, did not go to a grand jury, and we'll talk about what that means uh, later on. But uh, this case, the death of Jordan Neely at the hands of this former Marine, is really big news in New York and, and even globally. I would even say that it globally right now is the hot story. It'll last for a few more days, probably until the trial, and then uh, it'll be insane again. The case will surely go to trial, in my mind, because Alvin Bragg made the what I consider to be a foolish step to arrest before giving a grand jury the opportunity to listen to the evidence first. But as we know, Alvin Bragg is a woke DA, and he listened to his constituents, the people that put him into office, and they said, Alvin, you know, get off your ass and make that arrest. We, we know that you're letting out all sorts of violent uh, recidivists. You're not charging them or you're uh, letting them out on low or no bail, uh, or you're reducing the charges. No, this one where it's a close call, we're going to certainly run ahead and start with an arrest without even thinking twice without the full investigation, in my mind, of being complete and without giving peers in a grand jury, the grand jury of the defendant's peers, the opportunity to weigh the evidence as opposed to a woke DA with a tremendous amount of political incentive to go after Daniel Penny. Now, this is the same Alvin Bragg who went after Trump on what I consider is really bogus criminal charges. Now, I don't want you to think uh, that these bogus criminal charges that Donald Trump is facing should be confused with his recent loss in his sexual assault trial or the massive fraud trial that's going to be going against him in the fall in New York or even the Georgia impending charges for trying to overturn those election results or even the impending case for his handling of sensitive government documents at Mar-a-Lago. Daniel Penny, the Marine, as we said, was charged with manslaughter in the second degree. I don't know that a grand jury is 100% going to indict. The defense, as you know, doesn't really doesn't have an opportunity to do much of anything in terms of the evidence that a grand jury sees, which is why the old phrase that you can indict a ham sandwich came about, because it's the prosecutor alone in the room with the grand jury presenting their version of the evidence. If there's some exculpatory evidence, evidence helpful to the defense, the defense lawyer pushes to get that included as well. But you can be sure that if a prosecutor wants there to be an indictment, there will be an indictment. I've had cases, I had this horrible, what I considered to be a false allegation of rape in an Alabama case. And when I, they were about to arrest him, I convinced the prosecutor, I showed a massive amount of evidence, which I believe showed that the person who was being accused of the rape didn't do it, and that the so-called victim uh, was a liar, was a fraud. And when I presented all of it to that prosecutor and the detective that was handling the case, they called me up and said, look, we're getting a lot of pressure to indict. We're going to present it all to the grand jury. 
and let them decide, but we're telling you now he's not going to get indicted. And what the detective meant was we're going to present it in a manner that's going to make it clear that the complainant was not telling the truth. We're going to present every bit of your evidence and we're going to sort of slant this. What ends up happening? He doesn't get indicted. They don't vote uh, uh, the charges against this uh, would-be rapist. And when you read the transcript, first of all, the transcript of a grand jury proceeding is secret. It's sealed. The only way that would ever come out is if there's a trial. There wasn't a trial because there was no charges. So God knows what was said during that grand jury appearance to get the grand jury not to indict, but it worked. No one ever found out about the alleged rape, and I ended up suing the girl who made up the uh, lie, and we ended up making some decent money from her parents. All's well that ends well. That's what I say. So this case naturally, again, like everything else in our society today, is seen through a very partisan lenses. Republicans feel that Daniel Penny is a hero. Democrats feel that he's a killer. It's amazing how the country is so divided, like on one side and another. There's not like 16 different viewpoints. There's two. Ron DeSantis is helping Daniel Perry Penny raise money for his legal defense, which is wonderful. He's received well over a million dollars. I think it's like close to 1.5 right now for his legal defense. And for some reason, Donald Trump hasn't said a word about Daniel Penny. No support at all he's provided him, which I find is weird. Now, I know the reason why he's not saying anything about Daniel Penny is because Ron DeSantis did it first, and God forbid we should be concerned about what's right, the right thing to do. Instead, Donald Trump is concerned about looking like a fool for following Ron DeSantis' lead. So poor Daniel Penny, he just gets to suffer because Donald Trump and his band of imbecile supporters, they don't say a word about it because, you know, Donald Trump can't exploit it for political means. It's gross. This should be one of those things where everybody gets together on the Republican side and does the right thing, but Trump is just incapable. He just isn't capable. Everything has to be an attack on DeSantis, and uh, Daniel Perry just, Penny just falls by the wayside. Instead, as, as we know, he did a, a CNN town hall this past week, and the main focus of his comments were getting the election in 2020, getting that reversed, because, of course, it was stolen. In 2040, he's if, assuming he's still alive, if the 17 cheeseburgers a day that he's eating doesn't don't end up killing him, he'll be saying, I demand to be put back in the White House based on a 2020 vote from 20 years ago. Anyway, the massive amount of, don- and I digress, the massive amount of donations that have come in for Daniel Penny show that there is a tremendous part of our society that supports him that believes he was a hero for intervening with a maniac. And that's all you really can, I mean, it's sad. Jordan Neely, it's not his fault that he became that, but nevertheless, he became a violent maniac and Daniel Penny intervened. Now, I'm not suggesting that most of the people, I said that there's tremendous amount of of support on both sides of the aisle. Many of these people are in New York and many of these people are Democrats. That's just how it is. And that's where the trial will be held. This isn't a situation where all of New York City is against them. They're not. Because many people in New York City who are Democrats, who are liberals, they still want a safe city. That's like the one, the one position, the one factor that everybody really can agree on, except for the, you know, the real maniacs on the left. The average liberal that lives in New York City, they don't want violence, especially people that work. They've got uh, jobs, they've got businesses, they've got children that are going to school. 
The city is not just filled with AOC types and the savages who want the criminals to run free and the police to be abolished. As I said, there are plenty of Democrats. Some of them are moderates and some of them are even a little further left. But again, they want to work. They want to make money. They want their kids to be safe. They actually exist here. And they realize that the Marine Daniel Penny did a positive thing by doing what no one else would do there at that moment. And by him getting arrested, it's hard to imagine that anybody's ever going to step in again. And I don't believe that New York City will convict Daniel Penny because, as I said, if he's convicted, you know, no one will ever step in again when someone is threatening someone on the street or on the subway. You'd have to wait until you see the crazy person hitting someone. And even then, uh, let's say that Jordan Neely hit one of the passengers on the train, and all of a sudden, then Daniel Penny got up and put him in the chokehold. Well, he'd still be indicted. He'd still be indicted because they'd say, well, you went too far. Oh, uh, Jordan Neely pulled out a knife and he slashed someone on the arm. Well, he didn't kill him, did he? He was just slashing him on the arm. He didn't need to chokehold him to death. It just keeps going with these leftists. They're so crazy. It never ends. They're never wrong. They don't even talk about Jordan Neely being a bad person or doing bad things. It's like he's completely clean, much like George Floyd, completely clean, much like Michael Brown is completely clean. They're never looked at for what they did to put them in the position to cause their deaths. And again, I'm not saying uh, with regard to some of these, uh, I'm not even opining whether I, I think their deaths were uh, handled correctly or that they were killed correctly or not. That's not the point here. It's not what I'm saying. Anyway, no one would ever step in again if I, you know, thinking of this rationally after what's happened with Daniel Penny. It's just too dangerous. It's just too dangerous. I'm waiting for a weapon to be brandished. It's just too late for the average Joe. Now, again, let's talk about this. No one can dispute that Jordan Neely was aggressively threatening strap hangers. There's no, there's not even a question. This is a fact. A witness that was there said he yelled, I would kill a motherfucker. I don't care. I'll take a bullet. I'll go to jail. Now, a 66-year-old female witness to the incident who was on the subway in the car with Penny and Neely, she spoke anonymously to the press on the eve of Penny's arraignment, and she supports him. She said there are more videos of the altercation that led up to the chokehold, and she believes they will absolve Penny of any wrongdoing. And this is her quote. So I believe that those videos are going to come forward. Maybe people will do it anonymously. I hope he has a great lawyer, and I'm praying for him, and I'm praying that he gets treated fairly. I really do. Because after all of this ensued, I went back and made sure that I said thank you to him. She said Neely brought on the chokehold by threatening the entire train, and many of them took the threat seriously. This is what her quote was. He said, quote, I don't care. I'll take a bullet. I'll go to jail. Because he wanted to kill people on the train. That's what she said. He said, I will kill a motherfucker. I don't care. I'll take a bullet. I'll go to jail. Again, think about that. Those are threats. People took that as threats against their lives. This elderly retiree said that Penny did not initially engage with Neely during the wild rant. He didn't. He wasn't looking for a fight. He wasn't like some vigilante like Bernie gets that had a, a gun in his pocket ready to shoot the first black person that walked up to him. It's not what happened here with, with Penny. It's not what he did. He didn't. He did not engage him. This is what she said. 
he did not stand up, did not engage with the gentleman, meaning Neely. He said not a word. It was all Mr. Neely that was threatening the passengers. If he didn't get what he wants, he was going to commit violence, is what she said. Eventually, she said that Penny only got up when this wild rant got out of hand and felt the need to step in. He stood up and pulled him to the ground. Two other men helped subdue Neely. Of course, none of these other two are being charged. So Jordan Neely is yelling at subway riders. He threw his coat on the ground. He's walking up to people, screaming at them, threatening to kill them, saying that he's willing to die, go to jail if he doesn't get what he wants. And this is Jordan Neely's family attorney. This is how he felt that the situation should have been handled. Quote, no one said, sir, what's wrong? How can I help you? No one on that train asked Jordan, what's wrong? How can I help you, sir? He was choked to death instead. And for anyone saying that they get scared on a train and aren't sure how they would have reacted, ask how you can help. Please, don't attack. Don't choke. Don't kill. No one here said, here, sir, let me meet your need. Anybody who lives in New York City that's listening to this podcast right now may have died because they're laughing so hard they had a heart attack. This is not Saturday Night Live. That's what it sounds like, this lawyer, this highfalutin uh, family attorney for Jordan Neely. Let me tell you something. You walk up to a crazy, violent person in the subway who was saying he's going to kill someone. He's got wild eyes saying he'll take a bullet. He'll go to jail if he doesn't get what he wants. You walk up to him and say, sir, what's wrong? How can I help you? Let me meet your need. You do that, and there is at least a 50% chance you're getting stabbed or at least attacked. Maybe 75 I'm not wrong. You know I'm not wrong. This is a fact. I've been riding the subways for, I don't know, 30-something years. There's no question in my mind. And every subway rider in New York City knows it. Even the leftist scumbags who wanted to fund the police. You do not walk up to a crazy person in the subway. It's the first rule of subway. Do not engage a crazy person. They're all over the subways. You walk away. You get away. You do not lock eyes with them. You keep your head down and you move away to another car if possible, unless you're prepared to fight them or kill them if need be. But the family, the lawyer, they want the public. They want Jordan Neely's would-be victims to take the place of Jordan Neely's family. Let the family take care of him and meet his needs, or maybe take the place of mental health services in New York City, or even the police in dealing with a violent, mentally unhinged person on the subway who's threatening to kill people. Yes, the public should risk their lives to stop Jordan Neely, not Jordan Neely's family, not the police, not the mayor, not mental health services, not the police. Let me state this clearly. Jordan Neely should not have been on that subway. Daniel Penny should not have had to deal with Jordan Neely on that subway. Daniel Penny should not have been forced to take Jordan Neely down. This is a failure on the part of New York City police, New York City Mental Health Services, and the district attorney, Alvin Bragg, who didn't ensure that Jordan Neely was either in jail or a mental hospital after his violent assault of a 67-year-old woman as she exited a subway station in late 2021. This poor woman sustained a broken nose, a fractured orbital bone, that's her eye, and bruising, swelling, and substantial pain to the back of her head, according to the criminal complaint against Neely filed by the DA's office. Neely pleaded guilty to felony assault in February of this year, 
when Alvin Bragg was in office in exchange for ridiculously soft plea by Alvin Bragg, a 15-month alternative to incarceration program, according to the woke Alvin Bragg DA's office, uh, Neely was supposed to stay in this treatment facility and abstain from drugs. Oh, that's not a problem. Not a problem at all. If he had completed the program, the felony assault would have been reduced to a misdemeanor for punching an elderly woman in the face, breaking her nose, breaking her eye socket, and knocking her back where she smashed the back of her head against the ground. That's all he had to do was do very little. That's the kind of deal that Alvin Bragg gives out. Okay, you're trying to prevent the guy from killing passengers on the train. You get charged with manslaughter. You punch an elderly woman on, in the face. You break two bones in her face. It's a misdemeanor, no jail time. Does that sound intelligent to you? Come on. So, of course, again, all Neely had to do was stay in a treatment facility and abstain from drugs. If he completed the program... Boom, it's a misdemeanor. Guess what? He skipped a compliance court date and left the facility. A warrant was issued for his arrest on February 23rd, months ago. Months later, he still hadn't been arrested and managed to go back to the subway where he had a history of abusing subway passengers. He's taken his pants down on the subway. He's exposed himself. He, as I said, he punched a woman in the face. All in 2021. And 22. The police couldn't find them, they say, since February. That's bullshit. You got to look for someone if you want to find them. They didn't, I assure you. But this is what happens when New Yorkers live in a city where leftist politicians have decided not to enforce the law and to abdicate responsibility for protecting people to the people themselves. The left doesn't want police, but they also don't want you defending yourself either. The idea that Jordan Neely should have been able to threaten to kill people in their faces in a wild manner and not be stopped is just madness. There is a reason why no one stopped Daniel Penny during the chokehold. It wasn't like Daniel Penny was using a gun or a bat or a knife or acting crazy and people were afraid to go up to him. He was as calm as a cucumber. Wait, cool as a cucumber? Yeah, he was that too. Cool and calm like a cucumber. People could have pulled the penny off of Jordan Neely, but they didn't because they knew if Jordan Neely got free, there would be violence. They knew that Daniel Penny was the only person standing between them and getting hurt by a crazy, violent lunatic on the subway. That's why witnesses to the chokehold on the subway thanked him afterward. That's why they agreed to make statements at the precinct to the police at Penny's request. They were the ones who recognized the threat the best because they were there, not some woke scumbag DA. Some leftist degenerate politician didn't face that threat. And these witnesses that were actually there, they will testify that Neely was fighting back the entire time. They were just trying to subdue him, get him from stop being a threat to the other passengers. Now, during the upcoming trial, Penny's lawyers will point out the obvious to jurors who have all ridden in the subway in New York City. Anybody that's sitting on this trial has ridden the subway, and they've all witnessed a crazy person on the subway because you have to. You ride the subway, I don't know, 15 times, you've seen two, three crazy people. 
Many of the jurors in this case are probably victims of violence themselves in New York City or either on the streets or in the subways. You live in New York City, you become a crime victim, I assure you. Every single person, 95% maybe, depends. If you live there for a year, maybe not. I was there for 20 years. Guess what? I was a victim of a crime, some lunatic driving a car, driving up onto a sidewalk, getting chased by the police, and his car ran into me on the sidewalk. Got 12 years in prison, ultimately. Nearly killed me. The question is this. Are we required as New Yorkers to be victimized on the subways or on the streets? No one asked to be in that subway car with Jordan Neely. No one asked for him to start threatening to kill people, saying he would take a bullet or go to jail if he didn't get what he wanted or as he acted in a violent manner. No one asked for that. What were the passengers to do? do? Just sit there and wait for Neely to strike one of them or worse? They had nowhere to run. They were stuck in a moving car with him. No one had challenged Neely. They were trying to avoid a confrontation with the crazy man. As I said, first rule of subway. They tried to ignore the crazy, violent person because they know what happens when you try to engage one of them. You get hit, you get stabbed, you get pushed onto the subway tracks. These are all the things that we New Yorkers are aware of because they've all happened. Just look in the news, Google them. Crazy people are pushing people to their deaths on the subway tracks. It happens. Only after threatening everyone in the car, only after it seemed that Jordan Neely was about to explode, Only then did Daniel Penny do something. Finally, in New York City, the city that gave us Kitty Genovese's horrible death in 1964, did someone do something? Kitty Genovese, this is a name from the past. I remember learning about her in high school. She was a young woman who, in multiple attacks by a man in Queens, she was going back to her apartment. First, she was stabbed and left for dead. And then she was crawling, uh, trying to get up to her apartment. Then when he saw that nobody was helping her, and people were looking out their windows, apparently there was up to 37 people that were watching this, he went back and he raped her and he stabbed her some more till she died. As I said, dozens of people in this Queen's apartment complex heard about it and saw it. And the reason why they didn't do anything until it was over, because they didn't want to get involved. Do we need another Kitty Genovese situation? Or no. Daniel Penny's lawyers will check the toxicology reports on on what was in Jordan Neely's body when he died, most likely some combination of drugs. Did the drugs help cause the death? It's possible. We're told by Alvin Bragg, city medical examiner, that Neely's death was caused by his neck being compressed. I wouldn't take that as a fact as a lawyer. There's enough money that's been raised here. You use every penny of it to win this case. It's that important. I'd insist upon my own pathologist looking at the body and making a determination. Perhaps the drugs in Penny's body caused his death in part, as I said. Perhaps the drugs caused them to be especially erratic and violent and therefore capable of great violence. All that stuff is important. All those questions need to be answered. And if the defense can provide an alternative to the cause of death put forth by the prosecutor, well, then that's what needs to be done. Give the people on the jury a battle of the medical experts. More reasonable doubt. That's what it is. Again, Daniel Penny was a hero. He risked his life to protect his fellow passengers. He could have simply walked away and let the rest of them deal with his crazed Jordan Neely. He was threatening to kill them. Instead, Penny didn't know if Jordan Neely was on PCP, if he had a knife or a gun on him. 
And without a weapon, Daniel Penny tried to subdue Neely by himself. He didn't ask for help. But his actions by taking Neely down were not met with anger or shock by his fellow passengers. They helped him in subduing Neely because it had to be done. They all felt that he needed to be subdued. That's how bad Neely was acting. So I don't want to hear from Neely's family attorney that you're supposed to walk up to him and say, Sir, can I meet your needs? You got a punch in the face for that. The witnesses there that were actually experiencing this terror, they felt that Daniel Penny handled the situation appropriately. None of them said to Neely, Sir, can I help you? Why not? Instead, they helped Daniel Penny subdue him. And all of those passengers will be called to testify by the defense. All of those passengers will testify how scared they all were of a crazed Jordan Neely. Many, if not all, of those passengers will testify that Daniel Penny was a hero. And will Alvin Bragg's prosecution call some of the witnesses that think that Daniel Penny went too far? Sure. But you can be damn sure that defense will have five times the number of witnesses that will support their story and what he did. And if you think all 12 jurors will unanimously decide that the passengers, who were the best witnesses to what occurred, if you think that 12 jurors are going to say that these witnesses are wrong, that Alvin Bragg's prosecutors are right, very little chance. High chance for an acquittal here, or at least not a conviction. Finally, in comments to the jury, a defense lawyer must discuss the concept of passing the buck. Penny was supposed to know how much pressure and for how long it should be applied on this crazed, homeless, violent person's neck. Talk about Monday morning quarterbacking from a DA's office that let him go, let Penny go, excuse me, let Neely go, despite multiple violent crimes at subway stations that he had committed. Talk about passing the buck from New York City mental health programs. The poor subway rider who was forced to be threatened by a crazed, violent, homeless Jordan Neely is the one we're expecting to handle the situation perfectly. The subway rider is the one who was supposed to provide the correct policing techniques and enforcement of the laws, not the police. Not the police who couldn't even be bothered to find Neely after a warrant was issued for his arrest, even though Neely was well known for harassing people, wait for it, at subways. The buck stops with the subway rider to handle Jordan Neely, not the DA who let him go after multiple violent crimes on subways. Or the mayor who didn't make sure that people like Neely receive mental health treatment and they're kept off the subway. The prosecutors expect Daniel Neely, excuse me, Daniel Penny, to act like the professional, to know exactly how much pressure to apply to a thrashing, violent, crazy, dangerous man on the subway. Daniel Penny must be the professional, not the professional police, not the professional prosecutors, not the professional mental health services, not the professional mayor of New York City. And what was Penny supposed to do with this crazed, incoherent, violent man he was trying to subdue? Let him go so he could possibly be stabbed himself? He had to subdue this thrashing, violent, crazed man and nearly fought the entire time. I'm not sure what Penny was supposed to do, according to the prosecutors, but walk away and let the other passengers possibly get attacked. 
Penny did the right thing, the only thing, the exact thing we hope from our neighbors when we're confronted with crazy, violent maniacs on the street in New York City. He did the one thing that no one did for Kitty Genovese 60 years ago. And shame on Bragg, as I said earlier, for arresting Penny without letting the grand jury hear all the evidence first. Let regular people who take the subway decide if a crime occurred. Instead, Bragg is just a political animal. He let bad people go because those charges are racist. He prosecutes people who defend themselves. Remember that old man in the bodega, Jose Alba? Remember him? Last year, the 61-year-old bodega worker who was cornered by an aggressive, violent criminal who shoved him and, and threatened to give him a beating? What started that argument? Think about how nuts that, that case was. I mean, that was then at one point. That was the big case in the news until this big case in the news. What started that argument? Alba was the bodega worker. He was minding his own business when a woman came into the bodega with her small child and tried to buy some snacks for the 10-year-old kid. When her car, I don't know what kind of card she had, but it didn't work, Alba took the bag of chips from the daughter's hands because she was walking out with him. The kid didn't know that her mother's card was uh, declined. So what, what was the kid supposed to know? Anyway, the woman freaked out when she saw this. And listen, she may have been right to get pissed that the bag was ripped out of the child's hands. I mean, I don't know. I wasn't there. But that does seem to be a little aggressive. The woman freaked out when she saw this. And she told Alba, don't snatch that out of my daughter, you fucking piece of shit. And then she goes on to say, I'm going to bring my N. I mean, that's the N word. I'm going to bring my N down here and he's going to fuck you up. My N is going to come down here right now and fuck you up. Alba says, that's not my fault. It's not working, meaning the card. The woman then runs home. First, she had to knock down a bunch of items on the counter because she's barely human. And she comes back 10 minutes later with her boyfriend, the so-called N-word. The boyfriend, who was a violent gang member with a history of being in jail, then goes behind the counter of the bodega and starts threatening Alba. Alba says, I don't want any trouble. I don't want any trouble. No, well, that's not enough. The criminal grabs the bodega worker, Alba, and tries to drag him from out of that small space behind the counter. First, he smacks him, and presumably so he can give him a full, proper beating with enough room to really give him a good beating. Or who knows what else? Alba grabs a knife that he was using to open boxes, and he stabbed the boyfriend to death. During the tussle, the man's girlfriend, uh, the one who started all this, she stabs Alba in the arm. Naturally, of course, she wasn't charged because that would have been racist. The same DA's office, Alvin Bragg's office, charged Alba with second-degree murder and asked for a million dollars in bail for Alba. A million dollars. Do you know how many violent criminals Bragg's office asked for no bail for? But here's a guy who had not been, no weapon was brandished against him. All he was was just getting grabbed. Takes out a knife and he stabs the guy to death. That's what Jose Alba did. So again, the guy that was about to pull him from behind the counter of the bodega did not display a weapon, even though he had one in his pocket. He didn't know that though, Jose Alba. He pulls him out. I think he smacked him once in the shoulder. Nothing bad. Nothing that deserved to uh, have a gun get pulled out and shot him 16 times. Well, guess the equivalent with the knife was that. But people in New York City, it resonated with them. They realized, my God, we shouldn't have to risk our lives. If someone is threatening you, a big guy, younger than us, bigger, and he's threatening you, well, 
then you can use a knife to kill him. That's what happened. And that's what happened with Alvin Bragg. He didn't like the press he was getting. And he's a political animal. That's all he is. This is all for him to get his next job. He's just looking at his future. So when he read the tea leaves and saw that people were angry with him for charging Jose Alba with murder, he dropped the charge. He dropped it. Again, Jose Alba was not, you know, he was jostled. Look at the video. It's available online. He wasn't punched in the face. He didn't, wasn't told, I'm going to kill you. He just was about, he was getting grabbed and pulled out of there for what was obvious what was going to come next. And he didn't use his fist to fight back Jose Alba. He took a very large knife and stabbed the man to death in the neck. Now tell me, Daniel Penny, the same violence, the same threats were being made. Did he pull out a knife? No, he just tried to subdue the man, but the man kept fighting back. And for that, he gets charged with manslaughter. And Jose Alba, who met, there was no violence really being perpetrated against him, just being grabbed. He opposed that physical violence, that minimal physical violence, with a knife to the neck of his attacker. And for that, no charges. But Daniel Penny was clearly facing someone who was about to commit violence. And all he did, he didn't take out a knife. He didn't make it easy for himself. He went toe-to-toe with the guy and held him down. But he held it too long, apparently. And for that, he gets manslaughter. You know what the difference is. It's because this is now becoming a race issue. Before, it wasn't a race issue. It was the minority on minority with the bodega situation. This, however, is black on white, white on black. It's racism. So something's got to get done in woke New York City. Even with regard to the Bodega case, the mayor of New York City, mayor in the club, Eric Adams, he took some time out from clubbing and he said that Mr. Alba was an example of how innocent New Yorkers should be able to work or go to school in peace without the threat of crime. Really? You mean like the innocent New Yorkers who were trying to get to work on the subway when they were confronted with a crazed, violent lunatic? In Jordan Neely, well, again, you notice that Eric Adams, he's not supporting Daniel Penny on this one. You can guess why. Jeffrey Lickman for Beyond the Legal Limit. I'm going to take a quick break, get some water before I choke to death, and uh, go on. Jeffrey Lickman for Beyond the Legal Limit. Now, I've got to briefly talk about uh, the John, Donald Trump's trial. He was found liable in New York City by a jury for sexually abusing E. Jean Carroll and then lying about it afterward. When uh, my last podcast came out, he had not yet been convicted. It was a very quick uh, jury deliberations. I mean, shocking for a two-week case. They come back in three hours. That's embarrassing as a defense lawyer. Naturally, Trump and his idiot supporters think this was a good result. A guy running for president who is proud to be a sexual abuser, but not a rapist. That's how far we've fallen. I'm a sexual abuser, but I'm not a rapist. That should be like on on campaign buttons, perhaps bumper stickers, if they can fit. That's how far we've fallen. Somewhere Richard Nixon is ashamed that this is what has become of the Republican Party. Richard Nixon. I have to just point out 
some of the real whoppers now that the case is over. During Trump's deposition for this case, you know, it's a civil case. They do depositions before the trial. Uh, e. Jean Carroll's lawyer, Roberta Kaplan, let Trump double down on his statement that he was caught saying on the Access Hollywood tape about grabbing women by the pussy when you're a star, a star like Trump. And she asked him if this is what he still believed. And she said, true with stars that they can grab women by the pussy? And Trump answered, well, that's what, if you look over the last million years, because, you know, we all have access to historical things going back a million years. I mean, we've got just caught on the internet. It's all there. If you look over the last million years, I guess that's been largely true. Not always, but largely true, unfortunately or fortunately. And I have to ask, and she pointed it out, in what way is it acceptable for a guy running for president to suggest that getting away with sexual assault is a fortunate thing? I mean, think about how sick that answer is. Fortunately, you're unfortunate. What the fuck are you saying, man? I guess if you're here with a psychotic, lying, crackhead pillow salesman, then maybe it's okay. I don't know. I don't know. As I said before, he did this ridiculous town hall on CNN after the verdict, and he offered no ideas how to fix the country. This is at a time where we've let the far left steamroll us with BLM, with climate change, with COVID. They locked the country down for two years. Now trans rights is all the rage. You walk into any store, trans, 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 trans. They're showing up. They're getting angry. They're now taking over women's sports. All these things have happened just in the last few years. And Trump at his town hall offered no ideas on how to fix any of them. Instead, He's still claiming he won the 2020 election, even as the Republicans got destroyed in 2022 midterms because of Trump. Trump's claiming, of course, on the uh, town hall that he'd pardon January 6th defendants, but of course, he pardoned none of the people arrested when he left office in 2021, but he did find time to pardon rappers and Democratic donors. This is the great, great conservative ideal, according to MAGA. He was pardoning Democratic donors and rappers. Again, MAGA, listen, did you hear that? Those are the people that Donald Trump helped, not the January 6th defendants. Didn't raise a penny for them. Didn't give them any of his own money, even though it was his fault. They were there. He has no plan for the massive amount of illegals who have been led into this country and who will be coming in millions, you know, millions. We've, you know, three, four million probably already. And there's going to be tons more with Title 42 uh, lapsing, millions more. By the time we get done with these eight years, if Biden is still in office or whatever imbecile the left puts in, you'll have 15 million illegals coming into the country, fundamentally changing the country. And in the uh, town hall, he's still bashing Gene Carroll on CNN. He cannot stop talking about it. As if any independent voters would vote for this mess of a candidate, they won't. And I don't blame him for bashing her privately because, look, in his mind, I don't know if he actually believes it, but at least he's claiming he didn't do this. So bash her in private. Instead, he's got to do it in a televised town hall, his first one in years. He's probably going to get sued again. He's already been found guilty once of this or found liable once. 
But this is at a time in a town hall where people are listening to him. They've had their lives uh, and, the, and the country has been destroyed by Joe Biden. They want to hear what his ideas are to fix things. They don't want to hear more of your fucking complaining about all the real and imaginary bad things that people have done to him. Show that you have a plan. Not that you're the same idiot that you were from 2016 to 20 who only cares about himself. It's not just about you. And as for the trial, look, I'm sick and tired of talking about it, as is the rest of America, because, of course, now we're on to the next big thing. But just to point out some final thoughts, his lawyers thought that the judge ordering an anonymous jury, that was a winning appeal point, that it's going to be a winning appeal point. It's not. This point has a 0% chance to win, as Trump has made a habit of targeting people online, including the judge in his New York State criminal case. And even Judge Kaplan, who was the judge in the federal civil case, his lawyer thinks that in anonymous jury cases, like mafia cases, the lawyers, just not the defendants, traditionally get the names of the jurors and not what the judge here did. He went too far by not handing out the names of the juries to either party. Well, I got news for you. Okay. I've done mafia trials. I've done them. I've won them. When these cases, they're all with anonymous juries, the lawyers don't get the names of the jurors because they don't want them handed to the defendants. We don't get them. We don't get the names of them. Otherwise, they're not anonymous. His lawyers think that allowing in the access Hollywood tape is a reversible error for appeal. It's not. What he said in the video about grabbing women by the pussy is exactly what he was proven to have done to Carol and the woman on the plane that he sexually assaulted. Of course it comes into evidence. It's the same thing that he did to those two women. In order to understand why something is permitted pursuant to the rules of evidence, you have to actually understand the rules of evidence. I know it's asking a lot of lawyers. Trump lied when he was in Scotland about cutting down his trip short to Come home and confront. He said he was going to confront that woman, that bad woman, E. Jean Carroll in court. He never came to court. That was just a lie. And you know that the jury heard it. They read every last thing about this. They saw that he lied about that. Imagine what they were thinking. This guy says he's coming back to testify. The judge gave him a second chance to come to, into court and testify and confront her like he said after he made those comments in Scotland. But he refused. His lawyer said he didn't appear because what was he going to say? You can't prove a negative. This makes zero sense. It's imbecilic. You could have explained if you're Trump, the access Hollywood tape, what you really meant. You could have denied to the jury looking into their eyes that he didn't rape or assault any of these women. Isn't that important? Isn't if you're on a jury, don't you want to see the guy who's being accused? Or, or do you want to just see the victim who's there crying the whole time? He didn't come for one reason. He was terrified to get cross-examined by Carol's lawyer, who was actually competent in this case. And the lie that he was rushing out of, uh, of Scotland early, as I said, in order to confront Jean Carroll, sounds very similar to what uh, one of his lawyers said before his recent deposition in the New York fraud case against him that's coming in the fall. Quote, President Trump is not only willing, but eager to testify before the attorney general today in a deposition. He's not just willing, but he's eager. Now, not just willing, but eager too. Willing is not enough. Eager, eager. Quote, he remains resolute in his stance that he has nothing to conceal 
and he looks forward to educating, educating the attorney general about the immense success of his multi-billion dollar company, the lawyer said. Oy, in his <clears throat> first deposition in this massive fraud case, he repeatedly responded same answer to every question after he first invoked the Fifth Amendment, all right? He invoked the Fifth Amendment in the first question, and then it said same answer, same answer, same answer, same answer for every question. And the reason why he took the Fifth Amendment is because his answer might tend to criminally incriminate him. I guess he wasn't so willing and eager a few months ago. Just more stupid bullshit lies. Finally, his lawyer thinks that Trump couldn't get a fair trial in New York City. Look, we're defense lawyers, man. You know, we, we don't represent Mother Teresa. We don't represent the Pope. We don't represent people that the public loves. I mean, I got a hung jury for an abortion doctor who killed a patient and her nearly seven-month-old fetus because he wanted to go home early on a Friday night, according to the evidence, instead of noticing that his patient was bleeding to death. This doctor was portrayed by witnesses of being too cheap to have an anesthesiologist or nurse on site when he did an abortion on a woman who was already past the 26-week pregnancy limit in New York State. And then in the middle of jury deliberations, the doctor, my client, ran up to a juror during the deliberations and claimed that the jury didn't get to see all the evidence, scaring the hell out of the jury and requiring each one of them individually to be questioned by the judge to see if they could remain impartial. You think the jury liked that guy? Come on. Guy got uh, hung jury. What about the boss of a mafia family? who uh, during jury selection, the jury all said that he was guilty, but at least they were capable of keeping an open mind. Was he liked and capable of getting a fair trial in New York City? 23 days later, he walked out of, out of prison. You can't get one person out of the nine civil jurors to agree with you? Stop the fucking complaining already. Not one was a Republican or even a moderate? No, they were all, uh, they were all code pink and BLM, apparently. Come on. Trump and his lawyers complained that the judge wouldn't let the jury hear that Jean Carroll's name, her cat's name, the cat, her cat, his name was Vagina. Now, granted, this woman's obviously an idiot, but how on earth does that make her allegations of sexual assault untrue? The fact that she's got a dumb name for her cat. You think that's coming in or do you think a judge is going to say, I think it's too prejudicial? How about this whopper? They wanted it to come into evidence that E. Jean Carroll called her husband, uh, his former husband, John Johnson. He was a New York City newsman in New York City, as I said, who's black. She called him an ape. I'm sure it was joking because she married the fucking guy. But according to Trump, he, she's racist. She married a black guy, but she called him an ape. So how does that arguably come into evidence to show that her allegations of rape Sexual abuse against Donald Trump are false? Of course it doesn't come into evidence. Oy, but this is the mentality. This is the Trump mentality, and it's exhausting. It really is. It's exhausting. I did an interview on my friend Frank Morano's wonderful radio show on WABC Radio in New York City the other night and discussed some of this, as well as my support for Ron DeSantis, a guy who, in my mind, is the only real conservative choice out there running for president. I actually think he's too conservative. As he called for a six-week abortion ban in Florida. He's the governor there, which is, frankly, ridiculous. But that's what conservatives want. They don't want any abortion. No abortion. No abortion. None. 
And Trump, of course, who claims that abortion is okay and said that Republicans should stop talking about it. I actually agree with Trump on this, but it's hardly a conservative value. This is the MAGA response. I was reading some of the comments after my interview online. This is one. Another litigator in love with himself, he's right and everyone else is wrong. Obviously not a Trump fan. Frank played into his hands. No punctuation. Just stream of imbecilic thought. Just stream of imbecilic thought. Well, I'm, I'm giving my opinion. Of course I think I'm right and everyone else is wrong. And this is such a mistake to actually to read about what the, the morons say about you. But this is, this is the MAGA mentality, and that's why I'm giving it to you. You know, punctuation, as I said, is hard for MAGA. All thoughts must come out at once, unimpeded. Here's another one. JL is a radical lib lawyer, an ambulance chaser. Now, boy, I've never handled a personal injury case in my life. Typical of Trump people to just make shit up. And I'm a radical lib? Do I sound like a radical lib to you? You've been listening to me for over a year now. I support Ron DeSantis, a radical lib. Think how nutty that is. If you don't support Trump, you're a radical lib. That's what you have to be. As if Trump is Ronald Reagan. I'll say it again to Republicans. If you want Trump, you won't get him as your president ever again and enjoy what's coming your way, but consider yourself warned. And this is a hugely important election because the Democrats of 2023 – They are not the Democrats of the past. The famous comment about how JFK, if he ran today, would be a Republican. Forget that. I want you to listen to this man, Bill Clinton, at the 1995 State of the Union speech he gave. Listen to this clip. He's talking about illegal immigrants. Tell me what you think about it. Mr. Producer, play the clip. All Americans, not only in the states most heavily affected, but in every place in this country, are rightly disturbed by the large numbers of illegal aliens entering our country. The jobs they hold might otherwise be held by citizens or legal immigrants. The public service they use impose burdens on our taxpayers. That's why our administration has moved aggressively to secure our borders more, by hiring a record number of new border guards, by deporting twice as many criminal aliens as ever before, by cracking down on illegal hiring, by barring welfare benefits to illegal aliens. In the budget I will present to you, we will try to do more to speed the deportation of illegal aliens who are arrested for crimes, to better identify illegal aliens in the workplace, as recommended by the commission headed by former Congresswoman Barbara Jordan. We are a nation of immigrants, but we are also a nation of laws. It is wrong and ultimately self-defeating for a nation of immigrants to permit the kind of abuse of our immigration laws we have seen in recent years, and we must do more to stop it. Does that sound like Joe Biden to you? Kamala Harris, Rashida Tlaib, that bald one, what's her name? I don't even know her name. Ilhan Omar, Alexandria Ocasio-Fernandez, of course not. He sounds like a Republican, because back now he would be a Republican. We are in trouble, and we need help, not idiots who can't win. Jeffrey Lickman for Beyond the Legal Limit. You can catch me on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, beyondthelegallimit.com. 
write to me. I appreciate all the feedback I get, and I'll write back eventually, I promise.